Let's turn to Acts 16. That is going to be a chapter that will live in infamy in your minds. Uh, and I hear the chuckle, but I'm not sure you fully understand yet why it will. Uh, but by the end of today, it'll be apparent. And so I'm excited about where we're going, what we're doing. We have a very small section of Scripture today, but how many of us spend time with eager anticipation looking for that answer that we've finally been praying for? The aha moment where it connects us with the mystery of how Christ works, how the Holy Spirit works. And so this morning, if you were here last week, you saw this power team, this missions power team of, of Paul and Timothy and Silas and probably some others. And then we had this, this understanding that this is where Luke probably joins the team. And that the grammar of the passage gives us that hint. And so they're up in, in Asia Minor and they've got all these plans of what they're going to do for Christ, right? Have you been in that moment? You've got all these plans. And then the Lord says no. And the Lord says no. And the Lord says no. And you're saying, I didn't sign up for no. Right? There's even a song that says, in Jesus all things are yes. No, I don't know if there is, but I'm sure somebody's going to write it at some point, right? And so how does this work? It keeps saying no. And then the fascinating thing is God goes above and beyond by giving a vision to Paul saying, I've got a whole new area. I've got a whole new people. This past week I heard this interesting quote that I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around. And it has to do with our effectual calling. And this individual was talking to pastors and he says, you know, your, your calling isn't to your title. What? This is how we talk. This is Christianese for pastors. Right? That's another way for us to say our job, our calling. He has a really good point. His theory is that you are called to places and to people. And that's why you see God move individuals just like this team. Is that He had some very unique people that He needed to hear the Gospel. He needed to hear about Jesus. And so he says, I'm going to shut this work down temporarily. I've got plans for this. This is going to work. But I need you to go here in a very Star Trek-y way, right? To boldly go where no man's gone before. You like that? You know how I put that? That was for the older generation, <laughs> which they're asleep currently. So, by the way, congratulations on getting here this early. If this was last week, you would have been to church an hour early. This is amazing. So let me read the passage this morning. What's happened is that Paul and his team have responded to this vision by the Lord. And they end up going up into upper Greece, what is today modern Greece, up into the upper region to a city called Philippi. This is a whole new area. Why? Why? Have you ever been in that position with the Lord? Why? 
Why? So this is what's fascinating about this sermon today. Let's look at it. Starting in verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. That's like some Lord of the Rings talk there at the end, right? She prevailed. I, I, was, I actually went back and looked at the word prevail. What on earth is, is, uh, are they saying? It means that she kept hounding them so much to come stay at her house out of sense of generosity and thanksgiving that they finally gave in, right? Right? Those discussions about Christmas. Whose house are we going to? Do you have that relative? It just keeps going. And go, finally you're like, okay, fine. And then when you get done, talk to someone in your household and say, can we never go back again? No, I'm sure that doesn't happen for you. In the late 80s, back when big hair was the in thing with bands, I was doing some music with a couple of my friends. And... We went to downtown Hollywood, we went to Skid Row, and we were going to do a free concert, which was hilarious, because nobody would pay to go see our music. <laughs> but we were going to do a free concert for the homeless. So I remember we had like six cars, packed with all this gear, and we're heading down, and we had all these people, and there was this one gal that I, I had no idea who this gal was. Uh, but she's in, she's in my vehicle, and she's talking about, and there's just something that's not right with this gal. Um, she was living a really, really challenging, hard life. Uh, I think she was about 16, and she talked about how she had moved out and was living with her boyfriend. And what we didn't know at that time is that it was a 32-year-old man who was pimping her. And that night was never about the music. First of all, it wasn't about the music because the music was horrible, but it wasn't about the music. But we're out there, and, and we've got amps that are in milk crates with exposed cables, and, and it's starting to rain, and we're throwing tarps over equipment, and we're trying to do this music, and the homeless guys are lighting flares in the parking lot, tripping out, you know, and, and it's just one of those moments that I'll never forget. And it's like, what are we doing here? This is not where I envisioned myself being. What ended up happening because of the rain is... We ended up running to the cars, and we ended up talking with this gal, Paula, about her life. And because we were invested in her life and talking about that, she started asking questions about our life. And that gave us the opportunity to share Christ. 
which was why we were doing music in the first place. And we thought we were heading down to this place called Another Planet to use music to share with the homeless about Christ. In essence, God had different plans, just like Paul and his team. Five years later, the guitarist from that band and I are walking through the Northridge Mall. I don't know why we were in a mall. We didn't have any money, and we didn't shop. So those two combinations, I don't know why we're there, but we're walking through the mall, and we're getting ready to intersect with this gal that's walking towards us in, in her, probably in her early 20s, just a beautiful, beautiful gal. And have you ever been in one of those moments where you're coming close and it's a stranger and you're somewhere and you're, you're, you're like locking eyes, but you're not wanting to lock eyes because you don't want to make it weird, right? And you're like, I know I know that person. And you can see them thinking the same thing, right? And so we pass this gal and then within just two, three steps, we hear from behind us, Poppy? Jeremy? And we turn around, and it's Paula. And she came up with the biggest smile and gave us the biggest hug. And she said, you have no idea how that night changed my life. I went home and I shared with my grandmother, who I hadn't talked to for a year, about what you had shared. And she opened up the Bible, and God spoke to me. And my life is completely different. She had told us that night that she had done coke for 35 straight days before that moment. You see, we had ideas and plans that we were heading down to minister to the homeless. Actually, we were, weren't we? We had no idea what God had in store for us. But you see, we utilized something that was different. We utilized something that was new. We had a new way of reaching out. And we're excited about that. But even in doing something in a new way, rather than saying, hey, come to the church, Paula. Come to the church. We've got a great program. You should listen to this preacher. He's really good. And he dresses nicely. And he, sometimes he cuts himself shaving. New ways, better days. We're so used to saying, come here. Come here. And li listen to me carefully. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's where it gets a little wonky, folks. That's a theological term for not good. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. And just like he was in Paul and that team, Christ has a desire for those that are around you and that are hurting and need to hear the truth. Amen? Have you been that person? Have you been an individual that intersected in life with a believer in Jesus Christ and there was something unique and special and it caused you to open your life to them in just a very natural, organic way? And because of that, the, the spirit of truth was revealed and it changed your life just like Paula. Now, let's not diminish what God does within a Sunday service as well, but Let's not make the mistake of saying, hey, I'm going to bring them to church so that they hear the truth. You are the church. And Christ is sending you to those who need hope. Amen? This is what we see. And it's a beautiful picture. Because here's all the struggle in early 16. 
Incredible struggle. Why? Why do you keep saying no? Why? Because God has someone select. And just like that night in the late 80s, he had someone select for us to share with and be Christ with. And it led to better days. But you know, it never would have happened if we weren't willing to be strong and courageous and a little foolish. Lesson to that, don't take open electronics into rain and then touch the connectivity. So let's look at uh, some of this. That was really exciting because I was the bass player and that may be why I am who I am to this day. So here we go. He is a good, good father. Point one, where the gate is shut, find a river. Here's some history for you. They go into Neapolis, which is the coastal city, and they head up to Philippi. Philippi, does that ring a bell for you when you hear Macedonia? Philippi goes back to Alexander the Great, right? His dad's name is Philip, and he conquered this area. And it was the second most important city, so much so that when the Romans conquered, they actually declared it a Roman city with all of its privileges. It was no longer taxed by Rome. Woohoo! How many of you would love that? All of a sudden, I declare that you no longer have to pay tax. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun for me just to say it. I wouldn't act on it, but it'd be fun for me that you'd have like some joy for about five seconds. But that's what happened for the people of Philippi. Here's something that's interesting. They've moved into a completely different place. They're not familiar. There's no ground support. There's no people here. So they move into the city, and they walk up to the city wall, and do you know that history tells us on that wall it says something tantamount to no religious preaching inside the city walls. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Roman decree. The way that the scripture reads, let's look at it real quickly, go back to the story. It says what? So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, I'm in the wrong spot. Uh, we remained in the city some days, verse 12. They go in, they find a place where they can stay. What they realize and scholars have deduced this by the actions of what happens here. It's new. It's different. You see, what happens over and over on the first missionary journey is that Paul and his team would go to the city and look for the synagogue. You get free membership. Who said that? Yes, there you go. Oh, you're already a member. All right, you get two stars. They would look for the synagogue. Why? Because there was gathered people who worshiped God but needed to hear about the new way, Jesus Christ. That would be their starting point. Guess what they didn't find in Philippi? And here's where it gets better. Do you know that in order to establish a synagogue, to have a synagogue, the ruling was you had to have at least 10 Jewish men to establish a synagogue. Their base does not exist. This is really, really a new work. They are out of their zone. And so what do they do? Well, they can't preach in the city. That they're not used to. There's no synagogue. That they're not used to. There's no group of men that 
fit the demographic of how they've done things in the past that they're not used to. And you may be sitting here this morning saying, yeah, pastor, I kind of get that. Because when we talk about sharing Christ, there's a lot of things that when I contemplate what that would look like, I'm not used to that. But I've grown up hearing about how you bring people to a church service, maybe like an Easter or Good Friday, right? And, and then the Lord will do the work. By the way, what does it say here in the passage when Paul spoke to the women that sat down? It says specifically when it came to uh, Lydia, it says, look in verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So many of us have heard individuals talk about the challenge of sharing the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ that we know that it's not us that opens that understanding. It is whom? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord. But yet the Lord has decided in His infinite wisdom that He's going to use people like Paul and Luke and Timothy and Silas and George and Jessica, right? Victoria and Bobby and on and on it goes. He has chosen to use you, the weak vessels, to go and share this message. I believe there's a major reason for it, and it's because it strengthens your walk and your relationship with Him. How many of us feel so weak spiritually because it's been so long since we've seen God work? One of the reasons, we talked about it last week, one of the reasons that we fail to see God work is we never put ourselves into a God-dependent position. Paul and his posse... It's another big theological term for missions team. Paul and his boys have put themselves into a whole new way. A whole new way. So let's look at this. The gate was shut. The gate to the city was shut for them to go in and do what they do. So what do they do? They hang out for a while. They kind of get a, a lay of the land. And then they come up with some leading from the Lord. We're going to go to the river. We're going to go to the river. So let's look at some key points. The team knew what God wanted them to do. Do you know what God wants you to do? Well, I can be very, very clear with you that if you have relationship with Christ, He says what? Go into all the world and preach the good news. You are the light of Christ to the world. Don't cover it up. Be a city on a hill. Be salt to the earth. Over and over, Jesus says, and we can be those things. But not in our own power. And sometimes it's going to require for us to do something new. Something a little bit different. This team knew what it was that God wanted them to do. My encouragement to you is God desires for you to be dependent on Him. To be dependent on Him. The way was shut. I love that, right? There's, I don't know why I'm geeking out on Lord of the Rings stuff, but right? That... The way is shut. I, I don't know who did, like a gargoyle said that or something. So the way was shut for them to do things like they normally did. Have you ever run into that? Well, we've always done Sunday school this way. And pastor, you're coming along and you're saying, well, we're going to do it this way. Pastor, you just shut us down. 
Maybe the pastor did. Maybe the equipping team did. Maybe it just changed because they had their own agenda and it crashes and it falls and it exposes them for who they are and they were wrong all along and so then you hit them with rocks. No, you don't do that. I thought that'd get a little bit more chuckle, but maybe it's a little too violent for this group this morning. Or maybe God is speaking and He's saying, look, there is a new way. You're going to hear in just a moment, I was privileged to attend a conference on Monday with our district, uh, and a gentleman named Hugh Halter was the speaker, and the staff is reading his book right now, and it's called Flesh. And it's all about incarnational living, living like Christ lived when He was here. Now, does that sound like a new way? Right? And so one of the very first things Hugh said from the stage on Monday was, look, I learned a long time ago that we have our, our habits, our proclivities, our paradigms, our walls, and church, for a lot of people, it says needs to look this way. He says, what I've learned in, in 30 years of full-time ministry is, if it works, do it. Now, if it works, has to be a very precise understanding. If it works, really means that it brings glory to God and God is in it. But the application of it can look a lot of different ways, can't it? Like going to a river instead of a synagogue. How crazy is that? We've never done that before. But maybe it's going to yield a better way. We hear over and over in the pastorate about how we're losing the millennial generation. We've actually even labeled those that stopped coming to church, nuns. Not like the Catholic nun, but like I'm having none of it anymore. That's actually a demographic within the church. That people are so disenfranchised with the church. Let me encourage you if you're here this morning, the church is you. You can be disenfranchised with the church all you want. That doesn't matter. Can I just help you some? That doesn't matter. If you have walked through these doors today expecting uh, my sister-in-law, Cindy, to be the second coming of uh, Gabriel the angel, you might be close. I have to say that because she makes a lot of meat for me. <laughs> it's really good meat. But she's not going to be. We are going to fail one another because we are finite. We are not infinite. We are saints struggling with sin. And the church is filled with individuals like this. The idea about gathering as the church is that Jesus said this is what He wants. This is His desire for His people to be unified. If you know one person, or maybe you're on the precipice of this this morning, and that is, I am so done with church and getting disappointed with people, I'm staying home, just me and Jesus. I'm going to go out on a, on, a, on a bit of a stretch here and say that thought never came from Jesus. That thought came from you trying to protect yourself and giving up on Jesus. Our theme this year is be strong and courageous. And some good scripture that helps you if you're struggling on that level today is 
in Hebrews, and it says this, you have not yet suffered to the point of shedding blood. Jesus never gave up on you. He saw it all the way through. Amen? And so let's not let those distractions pull us away from the unity that Jesus begs for from His Father when He prayed for you and I that we would be unified. We cannot be unified when we're all acting as mavericks. You get that? And so you have to look at new ways. You don't need to be consumed with new ways. A lot of individuals in my position get way outside the boundaries because they're so concerned about that. Sometimes we get so focused on the new ways that it's just about technique. It's just about presentation. And this individual that spoke on Monday talked about the fact that he's been in churches that <laughs> there's so much fog when he goes to go up the, onto the stage from the fog machines during service that he can't even see the stairs. And he has to pray on how to get onto the stage. And he says, what's, what's crazy about that situation is I'll meet with people in my living room and the next thing I know I've got five different groups of 20 to 50 people meeting around the greater Portland area or maybe it was Denver. And we don't have any budget. We don't have any machines. We don't have... You know what he's describing? He's describing the number one growth church, which is the Chinese church, or down in South America. Well, they have none of this, but they just gather together because they focus not on new techniques, they focus on what is needed. But yet, when you propose something like that to the American church, that's new, that's radical. And that's exactly what this team had to do. They had to get outside the traditions, outside the norms. The way was shut, so they found a new way. In your own life, as you seek to share this truth, the Paulas that might be around you at any given time, can I encourage you? Prayerfully seek that new way. Make sure that new way fits within the the context of what God has given to us, but prayerfully seek a new way. And typically what a pastor would say at this point in time is, so turn to 1 Corinthians 15. That's a great passage for demonstrating the gospel and, and open up your Bible with them. Sit at Starbucks and talk about 1 Corinthians 15. By the way, I told you last week, if you go into any coffee house at any time along our valley, you're going to find either a pastor doing a study there or you're going to find Christians talking about their small group events. Happened to me yesterday. I'm out of Pete's and these two gals are talking about Christian worship. And I love just eavesdropping. We, we, we need to make a name for this, right? You guys can go to coffee shops and, and when you locate, send up a flare and, and we know that you have found some of us out there, right? And so... There's these, there's these new ways that we, we go about sharing the gospel. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. They invested with those who were present. We are having Outreach Sunday next Sunday. We really encourage you. Share with individuals. This is just one aspect. So here I, I'm, I'm presenting a whole new way, and yet I'm going to promote the old way. But you heard me at the beginning talk about the balance of all of it, right? You heard me talk about the balance. 
Of course we want you to invite people here and get a sense of the love of God. As I'm listening to this individual on Monday, he's talking about how decentralizing the whole system is what we need to do. In my opinion, he's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. In my opinion, I kept saying to him, you haven't been to my church. Where an individual like Jessica comes and she's sitting, the Holy Spirit speaks to her and opens up her heart. And she realizes the deeper needs that she has spiritually. That story's been repeated four times this year in this room on a Sunday morning. That's who we want to be. Now, here's the reality. You have that same light. This room, beautiful room. It's fantastic. I love this room. It's a great room. But we're not multiplying anything by gathering here. We're bringing in. When we go out those doors, we multiply what happens on a Sunday. Do you understand that? We multiply what happens on a Sunday. But when you present, so often I think we get so scared that, hey, pastor for our outreach focus is going to give us white shirts with ties and some bicycles and some nameplates. <laughs> and we're going to have to go door to door and, and do those things. If that's what God's leading you to do, I encourage you, do what God's leading you. Just present the right gospel, okay? So you just heard me say that that, that I kind of feel is like you're jumping into an area where people are lurking behind their curtains saying, don't make any noise. Don't let them know we're here, right? Yeah, that's some of you, right? And, and you know that that's the case. You're like, come on, Jesus, are you really asking me to go door to No. I mean, maybe he does have specific... But meet with the people that you know, that you share life with, right? For those who are present around you. Can you think of somebody in this horrific culture that we live in that's under an immense amount of pressure and despair that needs loving? That's where we start. And we need to go to them. We need to go to them. So, the gospel is cultivated in common ground. And if you're taking notes, there's not a whole lot to fill in. There's just these three lines. So, this is one of them. The gospel is cultivated in common ground. What, what do I mean by that? Paul sought Jewish worshipers in new places. He got into Philippi, uncharted territory. There's no synagogue. I can't find ten guys. So, where does the team go? Down to the river, right? And you're thinking, oh, he saw brother, wherefore art thou? down by the river no i have no actually here's the thing that's interesting conjecture that when there was no synagogue when there was no formal place of worship often jews would go to where there was water whether or not that that traces all the way back to the book of daniel and daniel's vision at the riverside i, I don't know where that's founded in but it is a it is a, a traditional fact and so, what's the next best thing that they have? They have a river. Maybe there's going to be some people that we can connect with down by the river. And there's a Starbucks there, too. And we can all have coffee and talk about Jesus. So they go to the river. They go to a new place. Paul exchanged the synagogue for the river. What are we willing to exchange? When I say exchange, you have a group to meet with on Sunday mornings. Don't exchange that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 
What I'm talking about is exchange the idea that this is the only place that those who are around you, that are present around you, are going to feel loved, are going to feel the love of Christ. Can you open your home? Can you take them for a lunch? Can you boldly depend on God to go to a new place or do something in a new way so that there is a better result in the end? The gospel is cultivated in common ground. When he couldn't find common ground in the city, he went to the common ground of the river. And that's where he found individuals that needed to hear this message. Brothers and sisters, there's rivers all around you. And our third point today is going to open up how do we do that. My job this morning is to show you what happened with this team. All of these individuals throughout Mysia and Binthia and, and Asia Minor are missing out because God said no. He has something tremendously important for us. Oh, this is where it's going to get fun. You ready? So you're thinking, no, we're going to sacrifice. God, God himself says, we're going to sacrifice this, all that you were intending to do, what I seemingly said is important, and I'm going to shut that down, and I'm going to take you to a whole new place. Oh, and by the way, there really is no synagogue there, so all of your platform, all of your study, all of your training, throw it out the window. You're going to have to get new, and you're going to have to depend on me, but there will be a reason. And they go down by the river, and suddenly a group, just a group, just a group, group of people gather. Nothing unique. Nothing special. Just a group. Just a group gathers. Paul exchanged the audience from men to women. I'm willing to bet Gentry's college fund that you didn't think of that. She's not going to college, so there you go. <laughs> oh, wow, that guy's brutal. Yeah, she came home an hour late from prom. She's not doing anything, let alone college. <laughs> no, we had a great time. We had a great time last night. No, Gentry's going on to do some great things, but uh, forget the college fund. The point is simply this, is that Paul exchanged his audience. What's been happening this entire missionary journey, first one and so far on the second, the pattern of ministry, find the what? The synagogue, Right? When you move to a new city, you're going to go find a what? Find a church. Because that's what we do. What was the next thing Paul would always do that we see in Scripture? Engage with the men. Now that's not to say he didn't engage with the women, but what we have so far is that he engages with the men. And we have this wonderful, wonderful passage that people love bringing to me all the time, where Paul goes on record for saying, I do not permit a woman to speak. It's one of my favorite passages. Because I live in a house of three women currently. No, that's not why. It's one of my favorite passages because people get so riled about it, they don't understand what's going on. And then we get this conjecture that Paul is this huge misogynist. Can I remind you who was his audience here? The women. 
So if Paul was a misogynist, he's going to sit down, break some, some non-bread or some, some, uh, some falafel with these gals? No. It's moving on. Got to find the men. That's our strategy. That's how we do things. No. He sits down and he shares with the women. And this is God's intention and God's plan. And by the way, sometimes what's amazing is how the Lord opens up the heart. Paul's just doing what he's supposed to be doing. But God says, I'm going to take you into some new directions, some new territory, some pioneering level stuff. And I'm going to reward it. And you're going to see why I shut you down over here. You're going to see why I shut you down over here. You're frustrated with God shutting things down sometimes and you can't see the answer in it? Watch this. This is beautiful. This is so beautiful. First of all, he speaks to the women. Have you ever heard that Christ would have died on the cross even if it was just for you? I don't have scripture that necessarily confirms that that explicitly, but it is true. It is true. Christ moved an entire missions team into Philippi. And what is the only record we have of happening as far as someone coming into truth and their life being changed around and them rejoicing? One gal. Did you catch where she's from? She's from Thyatira. As a matter of fact, this is a pretty astute woman. She's a seller of purple. Now, sometimes we extrapolate this stuff a lot, and we go way overboard with it. But the reality is, it's pretty well known that, that, that Lydia was a good businesswoman. Why? Because she would have had a bunch of extra rooms to house all of this missions team. She would have been fairly well established. By the way, she's franchising her wares, right? She's from Thyatira. Any idea where Thyatira is? It's in Mysia. Do you remember where we heard that name before? You shall not stop in Mysia or Bithia or Dithia. Just making sure you're still cognizant of where we're going. The way is shut, right? He takes Paul and the whole team to a whole new area. And who's the person that's recorded as to coming into faith? The gal from Thyatira! By the way, the church in Thyatira and Mysia and all those areas starts to thrive. Did just fine because she would have been able to share with her relatives back home. By the way, you have a book, a letter, that's part of the Pauline epistles that was written to the church at what? Philippi. And while we don't have recorded anything beyond this right here in this moment other than the jailer here in a minute or next week, you have a situation where a church gets established in Philippi. So God does work in both places, a new place and a not so new place. God is working in all of the details. And when we sit back and we say, why are you closing the door? Why are you forcing me to go to a new place? Watch and wait and see what he has ready to unfold. It's fantastic. So this is what I want you to understand. The Lord opened up the hearts. The Lord speaks. The Lord works in these unique ways. And so 
to follow suit with this celebration of women. This past week was Women's Week or something. I don't know, wasn't there a Woman's Day or something? International Woman's Day. So, gals, just so you know that we celebrate um, exactly how Paul celebrates, right? There's no longer Jew nor Greek, nor male nor female. Uh, I have been speaking now for about 35 minutes, and what we're going to do is we're going to call up part of our outreach team, and they're going to share with you the application of this message today. New ways lead to better days. So what do we do with everything that's been preached? We see that Jesus takes Paul and his expert team and forces them into a completely new situation. Get out of the synagogue and go to where the people are gathered and start sharing life and see what happens. See what I do. Let me share one quick story and then I'm going to turn it over to Marianne. Uh, this individual, Hugh Halter, uh, that was sharing at this conference, talks about just a way that you do this. And, and it's one of the stories he has. He went to a Starbucks. This is why I keep preaching this. It's because I'm reading it right now. He went to a Starbucks, and there's a new guy behind the counter he doesn't recognize. He's, he's uh, working there as a barista, and so he just picks up a conversation with him because it was kind of slow. And he says, hey, I don't recognize you. Are, are you new in town? And he says, yeah. Uh, my wife and I moved here about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. He says, oh, really? Wh you know, where'd you move from? And then they get down to the, the details of the matter, which is this. He had been hired, this barista had been hired by the local golf um, course to be their golf pro. He transferred all the way out to where this, this place was. They moved there. They picked up their lives. They were here for a week, and the economy was tanking, and all of a sudden, the, uh, the golf shop let him know, we don't have the money to support you, so we're laying you off. So he said, yeah, my life is really bad, and this is unexpected. And uh, honestly, I'll be surprised if I'm married next week. And so Hugh heard that, and he has a choice now. You see, he didn't have to present the gospel. He didn't have to go to great lengths to, to do a dissertation on who Christ is. He heard a need with those who were present right in front of him. And he, he followed up by saying this, well, would you be interested in going golfing with me this week? And this individual says, well, I don't have any money to go golfing. And Hugh says, I don't either. But one of the three jobs I have is driving that silly little cart around at the golf course that fired you. And uh, one of the perks is I get free golf. So, and I can take anybody I, I want with me to golf for free. I said, sure, I'd love to. So they made an appointment. Somewhere around the fourth hole, Hugh felt convicted to bring up this comment that this individual said. He said, you know, I, I don't mean to be rude, but I feel like I would regret not addressing something that you mentioned earlier. You said that you'd be surprised if if you'd be married by next week, and, and I don't want to overstep at all, but, you know, is there something that I can encourage you in? And this individual said, well, yeah, you know, I probably blurted that out and should have said anything, but life is really, really bad and really hard on us. And, uh, you know, my wife caught me doing a couple things that I, I shouldn't have been doing, and we just don't know what to do. And so Hugh said, well, look, we have a game night for couples. 
and would you and your wife be interested in just coming over and spending time with us? He said, sure. And so what ended up ensuing is that this couple came over and started hanging out with four other couples, getting some normalcy in their life, sharing life together. This went on for a period of about six to eight weeks, and they started forming deeper relationship and having more serious conversations. And one night, he and his wife was gathered in their living room with their Bible study group, different group, and they were praying, and they were all kneeling around this ottoman, and uh, they were right where the front, front window is, you know, facing out to the street. Well, this guy, I think his name was John. John and, and his wife just happened to be passing by. And they saw all the cars and were like, wait a minute. They didn't tell us that we were getting together tonight. So they, they, they pull up and they can see people gathered in the living room. And so what, what they're used to is just walking right in. So here's this group kneeling and praying and they walk in and they say, hey, and they look, and it's like there's a seance going on in the middle of the living room. It's like, ah, why, yeah, why? And so he says, you know what, I'll just check back with you later. And, and uh, Hugh stands up, and no, it's John, John, you know, stand up, you know, you're, you're welcome, you're okay here. And, and uh, he says, well, what's going on here? And he goes, well, this is our Bible study group. And uh, he says, Bible study? Oh, okay. The next day, they have a meeting at this Starbucks. And the way Hugh describes it is that they have a man fight in the parking lot. Once Hugh arrived, I guess this guy's named John, right? He comes out and he says, Hey, how come you've never invited us to your Bible study group? And Hugh says, Well, I didn't know that you'd be interested in it. I, I have no idea where your spiritual interests are. And he says, Well, maybe we have some spiritual interests. And maybe my wife and I need to have these things in our life. And, and Hugh responds back, well, fine, okay. And you're invited next week. And the John says, fine, I'll see you there. And then they just, Hugh got in his car and drove off and John went back to being a barista. John and his wife accepted the Lord. Their marriage is thriving. And not only that, they have led hundreds to the Lord. They basically would be the leaders of a church. Why? Because a question happened over coffee with a stranger. We took the life-saving hope of Jesus Christ down to the river. So Marianne's going to come up and share with you a plan that we want to encourage you with over these next three weeks. It's called, come on up Marianne, it's called Act 16. Act 16. And we're going to share with you a, a, a plan, and I have 100 of these. And so if you want one of these, raise your hand. If you really want to participate over these next three weeks and see what God would do with you, raise your hand, and I'm going to have David and Gary and Dale and Garrett pass these out to anybody who raises their hand. So that help. would be like right now. So if you want one, you can raise your hand, and these guys will pass it out. Acts 16 is an effort for you to do exactly what it says in Acts 16. Okay? Exactly what we see happen. We are going through the book of Acts because we believe that what God did supernaturally through that group of believers in a very new way applies to us. It's not something for just that time. It's for now as well. 
And the real thrust of what we're seeking to do is to see incredible spiritual growth and dependency on God happen within our people here at CBC. And if we do that, we believe we will see incredible things happen, even within three weeks. So Mary Ann's going to share with you some of the finer points, and then I'll come up and wrap up the message. So I challenged you a few months ago to do something similar, so lots of you should be taking paper today. Um, because it's what we're called to do. It's the whole point. It, it shouldn't just stay right here. And I have to push myself in that too um, and pray about that and as the rest of us as a whole should. So um, we're going to do this over the next three weeks. And what we're challenging you to do and what we are challenging ourselves to do as well um, is the first thing, which is um, to pray. Okay. Pray about who it is in your life. It could be friends, family, neighbor, random stranger at Starbucks or wherever. Um, who is it that the Lord wants you to minister to? Um, who is it that you're supposed to have a conversation with? Um, and that is what you are just praying about, not acting on unless you feel a shove from the Lord. Um, we're just praying about it this week to make sure that that is who and what he has. Okay? But second week, that is when you reach out. Spend time. Go to the coffee shop. Go take a walk in the park. Um, have your own game night. Invite them to do something else. Do dinner. Um, play time with the kids. Whatever it may be. Um, spend that time with them. Invest in them. Seek their needs, um, whether it be prayer or something that you can provide them or help them with or whatever it may be. And then we come to week three. Follow through with that person or those people. See how the Lord has worked in their lives, um, through you, through them, through people around them, the things that you have been praying for, and you should be praying throughout the three weeks to see um, and expect that the Lord will work. So that, and that's a challenge for me. I have to get outside of my comfortable box because I'm like, oh my gosh, three weeks, like how does that, what's Lord going to do in three weeks? I've been working on people for years, but, or, you know, <laughs> working on people, you know. Um, but there's friends I've been praying for for years, but maybe he wants to do something in these next three weeks. So, and this isn't just to limit us at these three weeks. The three weeks from now is Easter. So we invite them to Good Friday um, and Easter service. But it doesn't have to stop there. It should be something that we are doing all the time. Um, the teacher and me had a mnemonic device as well for you um, for these three things. Uh, I'm in medicine, sports medicine, CPR, first aid. If you've heard the little acronym, check, call, care. So it's what you should do when you approach, check the scene, call for help, and then care for the people. It works with this too. Check with the Lord. What is it that he has? Who is it that he wants you to minister to? Call. Call on those people. Call them. Go find them. Go talk to them, whatever it be. And then care. Do what you're supposed to do um, in that time and then in that follow-through after. So that just helps me in remembering. So hopefully it helps you remember. And a um, couple ways to share that with us. For one, you know, call the church 
share it in that fashion. Tell us, tell people, um, each other on a Sunday. We want to edify one another with this stuff. We want to engage with people. Um, we want to exalt the Lord about this. So do it here. The other ways that we have, um, thank you to those of you who've been following. We have an Instagram page and we have a Facebook page. You guys can share your stories with us. Send us a direct message. And if you want that shared, um, you can either send us a picture with it, make sure that you have permission from whoever is in the picture. And then we can post it and share whatever part of the story that you would like to share. Um, and how cool is that to get to see that uh, as a church body? But even cooler, those are public pages. So everybody has access to that and gets to see how the Lord is working. Um, and that's the cool part. It isn't about the social media and the internet and the like building up our likes. It's about getting to share the Lord and how he's working and all of that. So share with us. I can't wait to hear it as someone on the outreach board and just someone who is excited to see the Lord working over the next few weeks and months and years. Uh, but I challenge you to do it and to get out of your comfort zone while I do the same. Thank you, Marianne. And so we're going we're gonna to continue on as a church to see what happens with all of this. If you're fairly new here, the lights that are behind me represent how God has worked in people we know, people that we walk in patterns of life and rhythms of life with, and that you as individuals have shared with, or maybe it's someone within the service, and that light of Christ comes into their life. That's what those lights represent. Uh, we have one more light left, and my hope is that that light gets lit before we get to Good Friday and Easter. Because I believe if we fully embrace what we see in Acts 16, that God's going to do a work. Why? Because number one, I see it there, and I believe everything we're seeing out of the early church is applicable to us. That's how we learn, right? But also, I've seen it happen here over and over and over and so we've got multiple things happening we've got the gathering tonight great time to bring someone and and connect with them on a on a very real organic chili on your face uh way right and then um we have some other things that are coming up but obviously the culmination is good friday and easter and how fantastic would it be to have 10 blank lights or non-lit lights going into that weekend, and then we not only do we light all those in the weeks to follow, but we have to get more. Because we've been bold, we've been courageous, we've been what God wants us to be. We went to the river, to the people that are hurting. Now, I just want to do a shameless plug because we don't do announcements, and I'm going to call the worship team up here in just a minute, and, and we're going to join in worship, and then we have a very exciting announcement today. Um, very exciting. Actually, I just said we don't do announcements. It's more of a ministry moment. I do want to let you know that these cards are going to be here next Sunday. It is not about passing out these cards. If you practice or do or take this Act 16 challenge, it's not about going and handing one of these cards to somebody. It's about you getting involved in someone's life and listening and caring and being Christ. Then if the Lord develops that out and the Lord leads you to bring them to both of these events, you have a mechanism to just put in their hand. 
Understand this. Based off of how our church responded last year, we have to make a plan. Uh, this, is not, this is one of those things. It, it's a new way, right? So last year, y'all came to first service. And I'm suspecting that you did that because of cultural norms that we want to go and have lunch together by 11. Okay? And so second service, Mike and Karen were here second service along with 30 other people. And 25 of those 30 people were visitors. And so you put 45 people in this room and, and 60% of them are visitors. I'm going to think those visitors are thinking, what's going on around here? Or what's not going on around here? So we are seeking to balance all of this. And so these materials actually say only one service time. And that is our 1045 service. We are, we are strategizing that the first service, because this is how you all operate, that's for you. If you don't have someone coming with you, if you don't have an individual that, that has been a result of going to the river, then come to first service. If you do have someone that you're bringing with you as a result of, of caring, reaching out, and is, and is new, come to second service. Come to second service, okay? So that's, that's the only way I know to try to help balance our, our services. But I believe we're going to see a fruition of all the prayer and all the efforts that we're striving for in this Acts 16 idea. All right. Let me call the worship band up in close and, and pray for what the Lord might do. And then after the worship team leads us in music, we have a very exciting ministry moment that fits with new ways and better days. So... Are you ready to, to, to take what we focused on, seeing how God works outside the norms, and sing praises about it? Because that's what this is all about. All right, let me pray. Father, we come to you with great anticipation and understanding that it's not always done in the box. That there are very unique ways that you work through your people. And that we as the church, when we go outside of this building on a Sunday... We go outside of our Sunday uh, uh, services. We take that hope, we take that light to those around us that are struggling, that have a challenge. Let us do so in love. Let us do so in a unique and new way. Let us do so, Father, in, in a sense of, as Paul says, I have become all things to all men in order that some might be saved. Thank you, Father. Amen.